All right, we back. Back at it again off the ball. Another episode with Lucas and Wallen. What up? We back, we back, we back. All right, man. Listen, let's just get right into it. Luka Doncic. Animal. Beast. Straight killer. Game winner. When it when everything needed to be done, when there was only one savior available, he came over. Over the Great Lakes. <laughs> it's the Atlantic Ocean. But <laughs> he came out and delivered for the Mavs, man. What a game. What a performance. Put the team back, though. What a performance from that guy. And, and he's only 21, right? And yeah, 21. 21. That's playing, it. Playing on a busted ankle, just gutted it out. Like, how you, basically on one leg, hit the, uh, hit the step back on them boys. Hello, come on, man. Listen, let, let's just get into it. Okay, let, let, let's paint the picture for for the people listening right now. Luka Doncic had a day. Just in case you were not aware, the uh, the L.A. Clippers uh, came into the uh, to that series or to that game, game four, uh, up two one in the series. All right, Luka sprained his ankle the following game. Came out, came back in, couldn't finish. All right, then. He basically did this ridiculous schedule to get treatment. He got MRIs that night, I think at one in the morning, and started receiving treatment like shortly after that and just went ridiculous, like pool workouts, ice tubs, exercises, like uh, like all types of treadmill, like water treadmills or pool treadmills, all types of stuff to get him right around the clock to come in and play this game on a sprained ankle. Sprained ankles are not fun, people. Especially the one he had. It was a nasty one, too. You watch the replay. Came comes in, takes the team, great game back and forth, goes into overtime, right? And when all the chips are on the table, they need a savior. I think, I, wait, was it the, the Clippers were up one? Clippers were up one. Yeah. I believe, yeah. Clippers are up one. And Luka... I mean, a brilliant play. Let me lie. We'll get into this. But Luca gets the matchup he wants, dribbles, step back three to hit the, the game winner. It was beautiful, masterful. And also, just in case you didn't know the stats, 46 minutes on a bummed ankle, on a bum ankle, 46 minutes, 18 for 31 field, uh, uh, from the field. 16, no, 17 rebounds. 13 assists, easy triple-double, easy, easy triple-double, and 43 points. For all you folks that like plus, plus and minuses, plus 11. The kid's 21. Lucas, tell us, tell us, talk to us, talk to us. Man, it's time to put Luca up there as one of the greats in the game. We, we got talk to talk about him as being top five in the league right now at least. Wait, 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 wait. Some people might think this is blasphemy. No. At 21, you're telling me he's top five. My man is averaging nearly a 30-point triple-double on the season, Wallen. You, 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 got, you, you got to give it to him, huh? Got, he, if the Mavericks continue to have the team's success, and if he can win a championship, he needs to be up there as one of the greats. 
he keeps this up, the pace he is on, we're talking LeBron level pace. The kid is the kid is really really good, <laughs> and I can actually say kid because he's really still a kid. Yeah, he he just turned twenty one recently. Gosh, man! Without Porzingis, too, fellas, ladies and gentlemen, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, without Porzingis, yeah, probably their second best player, Kristaps Porzingis, didn't even play in the game due to right knee soreness. Um, you know. The series tied 2-2. Kristaps Persingas got ejected from, I want to say it was game two. This yeah. could easily be a 3-1 lead for the Mavericks. Very true. Very true. Very true. Listen, watching Luga last night, and I think maybe people just haven't seen him play enough, but watching him do that on basically one ankle, he, he was played defense, was able to make shots, tough shots, was able to, and, and again, like, at the end of the day, man, like, I, we can't forget that Luca once said that the NBA is easy. Right? And last night he proved it. Last night he proved it. He knew that he had to be the guy, and he came out and did what he did. It was amazing to watch, man. It was absolutely amazing to watch. And also seeing some of the NBA players talk about it and react to his game winner. Like, it's always funny that people are just, like, they, the, the players react to game winners. Like, But I think they also were reacting to, the body of work that he put out yesterday against yeah. against some solid defenders. Like it's not like it's not like the Clippers can't defend anybody. Now, for, let's be honest. Like he did get some good matchups. Yeah, but, he got some good matchups, and that you know that's the Clippers. What are you doing? You got two of the best wing defenders in the NBA, and you're letting Luca go against Reggie Jackson. Yeah, stop switching, Reggie Jackson. Don't people. switch. Don't switch. You, you know a little bit about him, huh? <laughs> yeah, and I can tell you that was not the matchup they wanted. No, not at all. Listen, I want to go back to that real quick. I just want to say that that was a brilliant, brilliantly run play. I, 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 don't, I can't. I've I watched it like 40 times. It literally was a brilliant play that, I mean, it, and the Clippers are switching. You know they are. And you kind of have to switch in that in that situation. Okay? Yeah. You you kind of have to. You, you're, you're inbounding uh, from your side of the court. Like, I mean, what, what are you going to do? Like, But it was masterful the, to see all of the screens that had to be put to get that matchup. If you go back and watch the play, and I know we, can, we, we don't have visuals. But, man... If you see the play, and I don't even want to like go through <laughs> and do like the play by play, but it, it it's a masterful play to get all these like it, originally Leonard was on was on Luca came out. Um, I, I I can't pronounce any other players' names, man. I'm not even gonna try, man. I'm just <laughs> I, I'm just gonna like tell you. Uh, <laughs> I guess I'm not even gonna try to tell you his like name. Um, but I, I, I think it's Maxi. Kleber, is that his name? Maxi? Yeah, Ma- Ma- Maxi Kleber. Yeah, Maxi Kleber sets like two beautiful screens to get Reggie to get Luca on Reggie Jackson. It was it was masterful, legal, beautiful screens to get and, and a great play call by the coach. I'm not even gonna try to say his name either. <laughs> Rick, Rick Carlisle. I can't, I'm not even gonna try to say Carlisle, bro. I'm not even gonna try, bro. Carlisle. Hey, that's what I'm here for. Hey, listen, you are the name. You are the name expert, but. 
it was a masterful play that they put together to get him open. And then he took advantage of it and made the shot. I mean, I, you, I, I, I'm a hundred percent sure, a hundred percent sure that, that doc rivers, I could say his name, doc, <laughs> doc rivers needs to stop switching or at least like the, 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 like some of the players like Reggie Jackson, Lou, they, they need to show a little bit more. They need to like hedge a little bit more, whatever you want to say. They just need to do that a little bit more to kind of give to give Leonard time to get back on on Luca. They get they have to stop switching, especially up. To, it's not hard. It's not hard. Just just hedge a little bit more. That's it. I'm sorry. We're talking about Luca. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'll get to the Clippers later. Luca's good. <laughs> Luca Luca is good. Luca's real good. Listen, I, I mean, I, I told you the, the numbers, and it's been crazy watching a lot of these playoff games with all of these young guys doing amazing. Because this, 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 Luca is not the last young guy that we will talk about today. But Luca is really great, and I think that you kind of touched on it before. Well, how was how he taken? How was he take? How, how did he end up with the Mavs? How does that even happen? Man, so... We talked about this before before we hit record, but Luca was a known product in Europe. This is a guy who won MVP of the EuroLeague, won MVP of the EuroLeague, won the championship of the EuroLeague, and then was MVP of the championship all at 18 years old. Yep. It was a known commodity coming over. People talked about him as if he was the next transitional talent and then when it got closer to the draft people talked themselves out of him oh, you know he's a little a little on the thick side you know um, he's not the greatest athlete and he fell to number three the Atlanta Hawks you know a team that has <laughs> never had bad luck in any sports <laughs> Decided to draft him and then trade him to the Mavericks for Trey Young. You know, and Trey Young's a great player. He ain't Luca. He, he ain't he ain't Luca. And I think the other problem is that the the first two guys who got drafted were um, DeAndre Ayton by Phoenix and Marvin Bagley, Sacramento. So the NBA is always falling in love with uh, big guys, big guys who have a little bit of skill. Vlad, good, good, good pick, bud. Good pick, Vlad. That's the thing, Vlad. Vlad is a is a dude from Slovenia. Luca is also uh, from Slovenia. How do you mess that up? If anybody, Vlad should have had the inside track. Man, I don't. It doesn't make sense. I think you touched on it earlier as well with um. People like talking teams talking themselves out of Luca because they're like he's a little he's a too he's a little too big, right? Yeah, he's he's I mean he's six seven two thirty two forty. He's a he's a sturdy wing. He's I, not, but he's not, and he's not the most explosive athlete either. I like the fact that he's a, a larger like a larger play. I, I like the fact that he's big. I think that like you can see, when you're watching him like get switched on to some of those guards, he's able to do what he needs to do to get get himself open, right? Like he's he's strong, right? He can he can he can elevate and get over defenders as, as he needs to not like 
obviously not like <laughs> like not like KD type of type of wingspan, but I think that's what does help him set himself apart, right? Like when you look at it, look at his game as a whole, right? He's 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 extremely skilled. Like like don't get it twisted and I think that a lot of European guys are extremely skilled. No, they're skilled. Luca's extremely skilled for his age to, yeah. and and the way he's able to contort is like he's not like extremely athletic, but the way that he's able to carry his weight and maneuver and manipulate his body to get the shots that he needs, I, I it speaks for itself. And it's not and that and again yet last night that's not the first game winner he's ever hit. It's just not. It's not. He's hit multiple game winners. The kid's good. Uh. The kid is good. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the Clippers and maybe specifically <laughs> my man, Playoff P. Oh, gosh. Not Playoff P. Oh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, the Clippers and the Mavs played last night. Uh, they lost 135 to 133 to the Mavs. And... Paul George struggled and his struggles have been well documented and he continues to struggle. <laughs> I got I hopped on Twitter and saw the jokes of like in the memes of people like, yo, Paul George running to the <laughs> to the uh, uh, the media room, the conference rooms to to actually give uh, to, to, I, with ice on his shoulder to be like, yeah, my shoulder's a little sore because <laughs> I mean, it's it's so bad. It's really like he's not. He's not showing up whatsoever. He's he's playing forty five minutes now. Like that, that's yeah, he's playing a ton of minutes, but three for four for fourteen from the field and one from seven from from the three point line. Like it's not great. I think he finished with nine points. Yeah, and I, and and like I think defensively he's still able to to do what he needs to defensively to be viable. You know, like I think he's still able to do that. But he got to stop. He has to start making. I mean, if he's making these, if he's making his shots, they're. I mean, they're they're blowing the Mavs out easily. And then if you don't have, if you don't have Lou Williams coming off the bench and going for thirty six, like you, you don't, you have no. I mean, gosh, man, like they just, they're just struggling as a whole. And I, yeah, I don't. I want to get your take on this. Yeah. So Paul George is just cannot shoot i'm gonna let's i'm gonna talk you through his four games all right game one of the series he plays good 27 points on 10 of 22 shooting right four of 11 from three solid game game two 14 points on four of 17 shooting game three 11 points on three of 16 shooting in game four, nine points on three of 14 shooting. That sounds um, horrendous. <laughs> My man is four of 25 from three over the last three games. Yeah. Like you getting paid to be a superstar. Yeah. I, 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 I honestly think that his, his shoulder just isn't right. I honestly think that's what it is, because it, it's it is the right shoulder. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, it's the right shoulder. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, you, you're not sure if it's the shoulder. Or you're not sure if it's the right shoulder. I I, I don't know anything about the shoulder. I yeah. just I just know the to shoot 
what I say, four of 25 from three over the last three games, and then to go tell the media after a loss. Well, in hindsight, if I had shot better, made some shots, we might have won the game. Man, come on, son. I mean, listen, man, I, I, I honestly think – because it was a rotator cuff, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was a rotator cuff. It was it was his rotator, his right rotator cuff. He had to get surgery on it. He missed a ton of games in the beginning of the season to try to get right. He comes back and he's just I, I just don't think he's right. I I just don't think he's he's right with the shoulder yet. I think that he's probably out there trying to be like pull his Scotty Pimpin and like <laughs> try to to, get, to draw some defenders in and like play defense i just i there's there it's unexplainable it really is i i i don't know why because he before the before the bubble he was playing pretty decent he wasn't terrible he wasn't this bad for sure so i i honestly think the shoulder just isn't right and i think he's just out there trying to muscle through it i think he's just in his own head at this point just all the all the trash talk he's been taking in and everything and the struggles, I think he's in his own head, and that's that's your take on it. <laughs> yeah, I mean the the shoulder could be I don't know enough about it, but man, just to talk as much trash as he has and not back any of it up. Kawhi, on the other hand, Kawhi doesn't say a word. Kawhi has never talked to anybody before. Kawhi out here balling. <laughs> yeah, Kawhi I mean, does what Kawhi does. Kawhi is. What, Kawhi is, is is yeah on in his own respect he's he's Kawhi right he's gonna come Kawhi's out. Kawhi's never even heard of social media. <laughs> Kawhi's never heard of social media. Kawhi still checks his MySpace page. Shout out to Puma. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on, I was wrong, man. I think it's a rotator cuff and the labrum tear. He has a labrum tear in his left shoulder. I think that's what it is. Okay, that's not even a shooting arm. Yeah, that's that. I mean, I think it's. Yeah, he has repaired partially torn tendon in his right shoulder about a month ago. Like, a, well, uh, and I think what was it? I would say, yeah, in in May, in May 2019, he had. Uh, That's a year ago, man. Listen, I've I've had hurt shoulders before. It, it stays with you for life. You know, man, you've had injuries before. <laughs> it stays with you for life. What you talk about? You know more. I, you know better than I do. <laughs> No idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. 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 Listen, guys. Like it, it, it happens, and I think that a lot of times, like we'll get all like the media will be really hard on these guys to get their listens and to get their their clicks and get people to troll them on social and then get these stars all riled up. And Paul George is a good person to get riled up because he's probably going to respond. But I, I, I honestly don't think that just watching his career and seeing him play, like, I think that he's a tough guy. I think he's tough. I think that even with, like, he broke his leg, came back, and he's had a great season since then. But I think it, it really, those things might be holding him back. And it's not like, I, I, I'm, it's, I feel, it sounds like I'm making excuses for him. It just doesn't make sense to me, right? Like, it, it's like if Kawhi Leonard, like, had his, Kawhi Leonard had his whole issue where he's like, yo, my quad isn't great. I'm 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 good. I don't want to do this right now because I, I I'm not right yet. And I think Victor Oladipo right now is playing against the Heat, and his quad's not great yet. And you can you can see it. He shouldn't even be playing. He'll 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 he's he's making he's scoring he's contributing, but he goes up for a three pointer and he has to land on his 
I think his his right foot. I, I'm not even paying that much attention, but you can tell he's he's not even landing on his on, on on the leg where he injured his quad. So when these guys are hurt, there's the psychological part of it, and there's the actual mechanical, like physical part of it as well. Like you cannot perform the way that you want to perform. So I, I'm I'm never. It, it just doesn't make sense to me. Seeing Paul George's career and his his the work that he's put forward, and say that. He's just in his his head. I can't say that. I can't say that personally. You clearly can, <laughs> but I'm not. I'm I, I I'm not a hundred percent sure that that's what it is. And he may turn it around as well. But I I think the shoulders bothering too much. I don't think they're even going to make it. If they pay, make it past the series, I don't think they're going to make it past the second round. But that's my that's my that's my take on it. Which is an interesting take when we look back at you know pre bubble when the Clippers are considered, you know, one of the favorites to compete for the championship. Wait, that's an interesting take. What are you trying to get at Lucas? No, no, nothing. I'm just, it's interesting how things have developed inside the bubble. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. I thought you, I thought you were saying some, some slick sloth stuff over (laughs) there. I'm like, wait, what is that supposed to mean? Lucas. I was like, I was like, am I missing something? Tell me what I'm missing. I thought you were going to be like, it's interesting. Like pre pre bubble, like he was shooting terrible too. I'm like, I don't think so. (laughs) No, but I mean, again, it's either. So like, you might be referring to like what's going on in the bubble psychologically. I just want to point out that that um, this is I'm sidetracking, but uh, I can do what I want on here. Jimmy <laughs> Butler just came back into the game for the Miami Heat. Just letting you know, he left the game with a a shoulder strain. Just wanted to make sure everybody knows, but I'm sure you'll you'll know after this. <laughs> but I'm missing the Miami Heat game for this show. Just that, I want to make that out like very clear for y'all. Shout out to all my people out in Israel. Listen to us. <laughs> just like just like Luca did. Wallen is gutting this again. Uh, this performance out. Yeah, one ankle. I don't. I, I don't. I. I, I want to be here, but I want to be watching. Okay, I'm kind of still watching, <laughs> but I think that you're talking about the psychological aspect of like how things have changed in the bubble. Like, I mean, just as a whole, like we just watched uh, the Oklahoma Oklahoma City Thunder just like <laughs> like grind out a game against uh, <laughs> the Houston Rockets. Which, by the way, shot fifty-seven three-pointers. By the way, you you, you live by the three, you Ooh. die by the three. They literally died by the three. I think they were like eight for eight for thirty-seven in the the second half of the game. The, the game. It was bad from the, um, the three-point line. But all that being said, is like you, you're seeing these different teams like come out, and you're like, yo, like there things are not how it's supposed to be. And it may be because there's not fans. It may be that people aren't seeing their family. They're not doing the routines that they're used to, which they, I would hope that they have new routines now. But, um, or they could just be the fact that they're just hurt, Lucas. Some of them are just hurt. <laughs> could be. But, you know, the, the reason I think this, the whole psychological aspect of, you know, the bubble, and maybe it's something more concrete with the you know the lack of the fans or the backdrop behind the hoops or something but like we saw with the nuggets and jazz game with donovan mitchell dropping his second 50 point game jamal murray also dropping 50 you guys are guys are going off like we have never seen before and you know, we've seen we saw Damian Lillard drop sixty and fifty, and 
you know, these guys, these guys are all people who can score. We've just never seen this level. And I just wonder, going back to Paul George, if it's just something different that is making it easier for other guys to score at will that is affecting uh, PG in a different way. No, that I mean, when you put it that way, that's about I mean, it's it's a good point because like we're, I'm thinking of Devin Booker as well. Like, I yeah. mean, he's, he's, he's gone off before, but he's really good. He really went off during the bubble. TJ Warren really going off like he slowed down during the playoffs, but he really went off during the bubble as well. TJ Warren dropping a 50 piece out of nowhere. Yeah. So like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying. Like I'm, 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 I'm understanding what you're saying. It's just, yeah, I, I'm, it might be like, there's probably a psychological aspect to it for some of these guys. But like, when you think about that, it's a lot of the young guys that are really like doing great. And that's why like, I wanted yeah. to like focus on like so a lot of these young guys, the, the NBA is in good hands. Like when LeBron's gone, like you still got people like AD, you still got a lot of people out here that are still like doing really well. Like even watching Ja play, Ja was doing great as well. Like, like earlier in the, in the bubble. So like you think about some of these things, we're in a good, we're NBA is going to be good for a long time, a long time. But it's in good hands. It is. It is in good hands. And, and and at the end of the day, like, what are your takeaways from from the Clippers Mavs game? Like, how do you, I, I know that you made your pick last uh, last episode, like last last show? So, like, what what are you, what are your takes from this? Man, if the if the Mavs can get Kristaps back, the way they looked last night with Luca, and they made a change by inserting my boy Trey Burke into the starting lineup. Yeah, Michigan, and, and Michigan's uh, finest, huh? Michigan's finest, Trey Burke, into the lineup. And that really gave uh, them another ball handler. So it took a lot of pressure off of, of Luka not to, you know, uh, be the main ball handler and facilitator and score for the entire offense. Um, you know, I thought that really made a difference for them. And then, you know, once they get Chris Stops back, getting another scorer back in there, you know, I like I said, I predicted them to have the best chance of pulling an upset, and I still really like their chances of doing that. All right, so so you know, I'm gonna get in my takes, and you know, I, some people, most people that know me, I'm messy. I like the drama, I like the juicy stuff. So my takes on this game, <clears throat> Seth Curry is also on the Mavs team. You know, you talk mm-hmm. about Trey Burke. Seth Curry is also mm-hmm. on the Mavs team. We also have Doc Rivers on the Clippers oh. team, right? Mm-hmm. That was a coaching. And yes, Paul George is also on the Clippers as well. And is there folks, a connection between those? Oh, three? it's coming. It, it's so messy. This the shade room would love this. I love it. So messy. So for people that don't know, Seth Curry. Is I think he's married to, married to yeah he's married to Doc Rivers' daughter. Okay, Allie Rivers. So there's there's that first connection, right? So Doc Rivers, <laughs> this is so you can't make this stuff up, man. Doc it's, Rivers, it's so proper. It, it, it's beautiful. So so you have Doc Rivers who coaches Paul George, who used to date Doc Rivers' daughter. Also, <laughs> Jesus, it's so bad. I can't even keep my composure as I say it. Who, who, Doc Rivers' dad, daughter, dated Paul George back in the day. Long, Not a long time ago. Back in the day. Five years or less. Let's say that. Before Paul George became a Clipper. Yeah, before Paul George became a Clipper. We'll put it that way, which is recent. So, 
Paul <laughs> Paul George cheats on Doc Rivers' daughter with a stripper. With a stripper. So you got under you got to understand there's bad taste in Doc Rivers' daughter's mouth, probably in Paul George's mouth if we're being honest. Uh <laughs> I can't help myself. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Bro. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so, so watching Seth Curry, right? <laughs> I'm too bad. Seth Curry goes ahead, drives into the lane, mm, puts the ball up. Paul George is guarding him down in the paint. I Wasn't it and one? It was not. I think he put it in there. He turns around and Paul George and yells that out a uh, female dog. I, I'm just not going to say what he said, but he, he, he said something bad. He see, he basically punked Paul George after he made the, the shot and everybody like was tweet, talking about it on Twitter. Paul George would never recover, but you got to know there's a lot of messiness going on. And, and Seth is like, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you that work and I'm gonna let you know. That's personal. It's personal. And at the end of the day, it's, it's a, it's a strange situation for Doc Rivers to have, uh, Doc Rivers to be coaching Paul George. But I mean, listen, you just want to win, I guess, but it's a, it's a strange situation, but that's my takeaway is Seth Curry is going out here, going dumb, crazy, Hitting hitting these uh, layups, these contested layups against Paul George, and and talking that talking that talk afterwards, like he ain't like he's not Seth Curry. That's Paul George. It's an all star. What are you doing, Seth? I'll tell you what he's doing. He's out he's scoring Paul George. <laughs> yeah, he's defending his lady. Gosh, man, it's messy. Sorry for the joke earlier, guys. I couldn't help it. <laughs> Hey man, that's my takeaway. I'm moving on to Nuggets versus moving Jazz. Moving on. <laughs> moving on to the Nuggets versus Jazz right now. 127, 129 win by the Jazz. Donovan Mitchell goes crazy once again, scoring 51 points. Jamal Murray goes crazy as well, scoring 50 points. Dropping a uh, 50 piece on him. Man, easy for these guys, man. And like going into the box score. Let's talk about let's talk about Jamal Murray real quick. Talk about his box scores real quick. Jamal Murray, 43 minutes, 18 for 31 from the field, 11 rebounds, 7 assists, 50 points, right? And then we got Donovan Mitchell, oh, the spider, went real crazy, 38 points, 15 for 27 from the field. Gosh, went to, man, had a day at the charity stripe, 17 for 18 uh, shooting free throws, 4 rebounds, 7 assists, and the 51 points. Uh, Hit a dagger, in the fourth, uh, Donovan Mitchell hit a dagger. I think with like fifty-four seconds left uh, in the in the fourth quarter, it was beautiful. Yeah. Um, I think it was like one. It was like tied one. Was it what was it tied one eighteen to one nineteen? I think that's what it was. And I think like the the play prior to that, <laughs> I think the play prior to that. What's his name, man? Millsap. Like I think Donovan Mitchell was like driving the lane, went to go do a, a shoot a uh, shoot shoot a layup. Millsap blocks him Block. and stares him down. Next play, Millsap's on him again, puts him in a blender, hits, drains the three. Fifty-four seconds left, put, puts the uh, the Jazz up one twenty-two to one eighteen, and Donovan Mitchell let everybody know. It, I mean, it was it was great to watch, man. It really yeah, was. It was a it was a great game. Honestly, 
watching this, I thought it was Denver's game to lose. They lost it because they could not get a stop on defense to save their lives out there. No, they definitely could not. I mean, the pick they just put it with the pick and roll, and they just didn't. Oh, it was terrible. It was not. Listen, great. they they run in uh, Nikola Jokic out there at center, um, amazingly skilled offensive center, one of the best passing bigs in the league. Um, you know, start he started at point guard for them in the bubble. He's that skilled a passer and ball handler. He is not an athlete. He is not a good matchup for Rudy Gobert. He is not a defensive center. He is not somebody who can protect the rim when Donovan Mitchell comes crashing in. My guy, they said he had three dunks in this game, and that is the first dunks he had had in years. It is the most dunks he had had. It was the first time he had three dunks in a game in years. For a seven-footer, that says something about your athleticism. It really, he is it really does. Not, he is not a good matchup for Utah. Or he is a good matchup for them. He's not a good matchup for Denver against Utah with uh, Rudy Gobert, who is an extremely athletic center who loves to block shots. Um, Yeah. I mean, listen, defensively, it wasn't great. It just didn't look right. And this is why I just want to point out. That's why I picked out the Utah Jazz to upset them here. That's why. I I mean, I knew it. It is. I knew it. it. I'm like, listen, like they're just not defensively sound, and you can't go shot for shot. You got you got the big Eiffel Tower in the middle with Rudy Gobert. They, the Jazz can play some defense now, right? The Jazz, I mean, Rudy Gobert is defensive player of the year multiple times. Exactly. So, like, when you think about it, you're not going to go shot for shot, and they can go shot for shot with Donovan Mitchell. Clearly, they're doing it. They're not they're relying. Their best. <laughs> yeah, they're not relying on anybody else. But like, also, let me point this out. Mike Conley being back is a big deal. Oh, yeah. 26 points. Come on now. That's a big deal. He's efficient. 18 for 13, shooting from the field. Four for eight from the three-point line. 100%. Six for six shooting at the free throw. That's a that's a vet, and he's playing like he's playing like the old Mike Conley now. He's playing yeah. like the Grizzlies, Mike Conley. I'm telling you, he's looking good. And then even uh, Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench, 9 of 13 for 24 points. Him and Conley coming in and, you know, taking the pressure off Mitchell. You can't focus too much on Mitchell because you got to re- worry about Conley and Clarkson hitting shots now. Yeah. And that's why Mitchell can go off and drop 50 multiple times on you. Yeah. And Gobert participated too. Gobert was extremely efficient. Seven for eight shooting from the field, 17 points. Yeah. They were efficient. They're efficient. I mean, it says a lot, right? It says a lot. I mean, about, <laughs> about the. The Nuggets, right? Like the team they have. I mean, Jamal Murray going for fifty. I'm not even, bro. Can you can you tell me the center's name again? No, <laughs> Jokic. Jokic, bro. I'm sorry, bro. I can't say your names, man. But Jokic was was pretty efficient as well with 29 points. Millsap, Millsap had like they. I mean, they they contributed, but like they it wasn't nobody awed you, right? Like. Michael Porter Jr. off the bench, twenty gave you twenty three solid minutes. You know, like you, it was it was efficient. But let's talk about the Jazz real quick, though. Real quick, Ingles Ingles didn't score, man. Come on, lay off of Paul George, man. Ingles didn't score, guys. <laughs> I often I often keep Joe Ingles in the that <laughs> same realm as as Paul as Paul George. Yep. It's Kawhi. Yep. And my man's Joe Ingles. 
and I, I would, I, that's where I keep them. They're all same caliber type of players. So I, I don't know why you would. But you know what? You know what? Joe Ingles plus eight out on the court. That eight. Paul George negative two. I'm, I'm just gonna say. I'm just gonna say it. You know, I'm not saying it. The numbers are saying it. So I'm just gonna say. Listen, I'm telling you. Listen and like listen. I mean, okay. Ingles averages nine points. His average nine points <laughs> throughout the season. He's not. We're we're joking. He's not. He's, he's not in the same caliber as Paul George and, <laughs> and Kawhi. But that's playoff J. Yeah. Plus, plus geez. <laughs> listen. I, at, at the end of the day, like it just goes to show, like you had a couple guys that were really efficient for the Jazz, and then there's some guys that weren't so efficient, right? And and I think that looking at it as a whole. I just I, the Nuggets can pull it out if they play defense. If they switch up the scheme a little bit, they can pull it out. But there, there's going to have to be some tweaking done, and they're going to have to. I mean, they're they're behind, they're three one. They're behind three one. So nobody's ever come back from that. Yeah, no one's ever come back from that. So good luck, guys. It's not like we've seen it before in NBA Finals history or anything like that. Let alone Never the playoff. <laughs> Listen, the I, I think that. Um, I think it was. I think it was a good. It, this has been an interesting series to watch, just because like the young guys, um, and seeing them play. This we I, I kind of knew this was going to be an interesting, an interesting um, series, and I think that it's panned out to be that way, just to kind of see how things are unfolding. But listen, it's 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 for the Jazz to lose, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing them in the the second round, and I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, they. From what we've seen this round, they look like they have the makeup of a team that can make some noise. All right. Let's uh, have a little pause here because there's a lot of NBA going on during these times. Let's make a pause and pivot to the NFL. And I promise <laughs> I know everybody's names. <laughs> this, the NFL is a palate cleanser. It's, yes. like eating, it's like eating a saltine cracker uh, before the main course. Exactly. And I'm ready to dip in the crack. <laughs> I'm not it's okay. All right. Uh, Anyways, let's move. I don't know what's wrong with me today. <laughs> All right. So moving on to the NFL. Um, I'm here in Maryland. Uh, Baltimore Ravens play close attention to this team. Earl Thomas, man, trouble in paradise. Uh, Earl Thomas was released earlier this week. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I'm like, I, I, I can't stop laughing because it's like, we were talking about this before we got on. No one saw this go. Everyone's kind of like, oh, like Earl Thomas, like, it's, it's it's all good. Earl Thomas got in a fight with his uh, teammate, with Clarkson, um, with, excuse me, with Clark, uh, I think a couple of days ago. Uh, I think it was like Friday. They got into like a, an altercation. Yeah. Um, Harbaugh came out and said that it, it went a little too long for him, and that's why. Um, they sent Earl home. They sent him home. Uh, he didn't show up Saturday the following day. And uh, we were all like, oh, like, that's that's strange. Like, it's going to be fine. And like, and people were like, and, and, and Lucas, you mentioned this. Um, people were like, yo, they might cut him or, or trade him. And we're like, wait, what? Yeah, Adam Schefter started, you know, tweeting out there's talks of trading him or releasing him. And that just seems really weird because, you know, while you and me played football in camp, Fights happen. It's just people get annoyed. You're facing the same guy every day, hitting them every day. Yep. Fights happen. It's nothing 
nothing out of the normal. Yeah. You know, they, they sent him home. And, okay. So kind of sending a message. But for then Adam Schefter and everybody, Ian Rapport, to drop the bombs that they're going to look to trade or cut him. Wow. Yeah. It, 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 was, it was strange to hear. I will point, I will say this. Typically, you, I mean, fights happen in camp, but typically you don't fight somebody on the same side of the ball as you as that much. True. But it does happen. Don't get me wrong. It does happen. It's just it, the whole thing was just strange from the beginning. Like sending somebody home for a fight, like you said, it's it's weird, right? Like you you're going to fight. We play a physical sport, and even in the NFL, like a lot of those guys, like you you look at the NBA, and I've heard this multiple times from like tons of guys that have played professionally. That in 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 the NBA, you have a lot of guys that are friends within the locker room, and you have a lot of friends that are like a lot of guys that are friends that are on the opposite team. In the NFL, it's completely different. Like, like they don't hang out. Like they, they come in, it's a larger roster. You come in, you may have like one or two guys that you talk to, but it's not like close knit as it is with the NBA. Right. It's just, it just isn't. And I think that when you see a fight like that happen, you're like, okay, like it's fine. It's a physical sport. Like we don't all have to like each other, but for the most part, you're professional, right? Like you, you're not like getting in this huge, like altercation over a blown coverage. It's like, yo, you messed up get it right. And it's practice. And I'm again, every, every team has different cultures, but you're just not getting in like huge full blown fights over that. But like you said, it was strange. And lo and behold, you you mentioned it earlier. Like they must really not like this guy. They really don't like Earl Thomas in Baltimore. (laughs) Apparently from his teammates to the front office, there was an article written, uh, on, uh, NBC sports, Washington, uh, by Mike uh, DePresco. I got that one right. Uh, <laughs> um, but they didn't waste any time um, releasing Earl Thomas after he got in the fight with uh, Chuck Clark uh, after like that Friday practice. But then they said apparently his te- that Thomas's relationship with his teammates played a part in it. They said that he uh, he wasn't well liked by his teammates. Um, uh, they also said that he had a pattern of being late. And in a recent practice, he made multiple assignment errors in causing defensive teammates to confront him about his preparedness for being a veteran. You would, I mean, you would, you should know what's going on. He missed, he missed at least one walkthrough with no valid excuse. And then like the incident on Friday happened. It's like, okay, very few of his teammates came to his defense as well. And everybody backed Clark. Which is insane. Again, Earl Thomas being a veteran player with of his stature, with his previous success, that the teammates would back the you know the less heralded player. Yeah, uh, listen. I, I mean, he had a he had a really solid contract with with Baltimore. We know like his his exit from his exit from from the Seahawks were was not great, right? And we we thought that maybe in Baltimore he would be he would be a great addition he only had two interceptions last year wasn't i mean it 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 wasn't like their front seven was great it wasn't like their secondary was like terrible either like he should have had a lot more interceptions i mean i think marcus peters came in like what halfway through the year i think marcus peters had like finished with like four interceptions or something like that so i don't know man i 
And then he had his off the field issues, which I know that you can cover. Probably you'll probably cover it a little bit better than I will, because <laughs> since I'm on a roll today, <laughs> you know, we'll we'll try to keep this a sort of G-rated. But yeah, he had a some off cut the me field some issues. slack. It was G-rated, okay? Cut me some slack. <laughs> Back in May, which seems like it was years ago at this point. Back in May, he had an incident where his uh, wife pulled a gun on him after he was caught in an unfortunate position of being. (laughs) This is why you're perfect for this. You're perfect for this. Go ahead. Keep going. Keep going. (laughs) He was caught being unfaithful. Um, uh, You know, read the article, but his brother was also there. very unfortunate position to be caught in and the police were called his wife attacked him with a a loaded gun and Earl kind of responded by saying it is what it is and yeah so his pattern of kind of erratic behavior going to back from how he kind of forced himself off of the Seahawks to that incident to this current incident with the Ravens is kind of a troubling sign. Hey, I'm glad that you handled that because you handled it way better than I would, but I'm going to tell y'all what really happened. Okay. I'm just kidding. I'm not. Um, <laughs> I think Lucas handled that perfectly. <laughs> hey, check out TMZ if you want the, the real scoop. Yeah. If you want the full details, check it out. Uh, but yeah, he's had a number of off the field issues. Uh, I feel quite a bit. I, I feel like there's like something else that I'm missing. I'm definitely like forgetting something else that happened off the field. Or, uh, I feel like I, I know that was recent, right? With the incident with his wife and his brother. But I feel like there are like way more incidences that I'm like not thinking of at the top of my head where it just did not go well. Um, but listen, I, I at this point, they just he probably had to go just because he wasn't contributing. Um I, I they're trying to figure out where he's gonna end up. People are think thinking Dallas. I actually don't think so. Well, I think the Cowboys were the the rumored favorite even back when he was with the Seahawks, trying to force his way out of Seattle. Um, he's a he's a Texas native. I think he still lives in Texas. So, and the Cowboys are the Cowboys at this point. They're always going to try signing the big name. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know where it's going to go. I, I, I saw Mark, Mike McCarthy said that he was um, satisfied with his roster right now. Uh, I mean, who knows what that really means. But I, seeing like what's going on with Earl Thomas, I saw Richard Sherman touch on it as well. Um, he said that it was really sad, and he thinks that Earl Thomas is going to come with some vengeance and out to prove a point. I don't, I don't know, man. I don't I don't know. Obviously, I should say that I should preface this by saying like Richard Sherman also referred to him to, to Earl Thomas like his brother. So I, I I just don't know if Earl Thomas still has anything left in the tank as far yeah. as like performance wise, because I mean, he played his uh, he played as part of the Legion of Boom. Right. And like a, a lot of these guys are not in the league anymore. Um, Richard Sherman is. I, I, Richard Sherman is still, still performing well, and I think like last year he performed well because people just respected him and didn't go his way. 
And obviously, like, he still he still can play a great zone. He can play cover three very well. He can play the thirds really, really well still. Um, but, you know, like, during the the championship game, you kind of saw him get taken advantage of by Tyreek Hill, which a lot of people do because nah, he's, he's, he's really fast, guys. Um, yeah. But, you know, like, it's just a lot of these guys, they just – I think they've been around a while. Yeah. And I think they've just, the, the, they've kind of ran them into the ground, like, is because they played physical football. Like, it wasn't like a, a, a secondary, and like the Legion of Boom wasn't a secondary that was known for takeaways and turnovers. Like, I, I don't think they were known for that. They're known for being a no fly zone, physical intimidation. And, I, I just think that they're, they, they're worn down. Like, I mean, Earl Thomas has had two broken legs, not at the same time. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't see them. I don't see him contributing that much anywhere else. And um, that's how I feel about it. I don't know how if you want to add in any closing thoughts, Lucas. But it was a good run, Earl. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I think some team will take a flyer on him at this point, just because he's still got you know the name, and somebody will give him a, a chance. To- to see but i just don't think it'll it's really going to work out at this point especially with the all the erratic behavior going on yeah lots of erotic behavior you have such such great vernacular today such great vernacular i love it all right (laughs) i bring i bring my i bring my a game unlike a team in philadelphia who is now leaving the bubble Great transition. That's that's right, folks. Philadelphia 76ers recently swept by the Boston Celtics, kicked out of the bubble. And, you know, I don't know if they've actually moved out of the bubble at this point, but Adrian Wojnarowski reported today that they have fired head coach Brett Brown. And in my mind, I like to picture it, you know, kind of similar to a Lane Kiffin being fired on the tarmac at the airport situation. Only Brett Brown was fired on like space mountain in this instance. Uh, Oh man. (laughs) Hey man, poor Brett Brown, bro. My man, my man, Brett Brown was named head coach of the 76ers back when they were at the infancy stages of the process back when they were terrible and losing every game on purpose so that they could try to get the number one pick. He stuck around this long to the point where they were winning 50 games consistently and they decided he couldn't be the one to get him over the hump. And that's gotta be heartbreaking to be there that long and see that much growth and not be able to get it done. But I don't know, man. Did you watch much of this series? I did. I did watch a, a lot of the series. Um, I, I watched every game. It was yeah. uh, It was pretty bad, man. I, I Brett Brown just did not make the correct. Yeah, in my mind, he didn't make the correct changes on the fly like that he needed to. They just kept letting let, letting <laughs> Kimba and Jason Tatum walk into these mid mid range jumpers. Yeah, they just kept playing drop coverage with their bigs with Embiid. They just drop coverage underneath the screens, and you know they're letting, like you said, Kemba and Jason Tatum, guys who are 
excellent jump shooters just get open shots after open shots. Yeah. And, and again, like just to go back to Brett Braun real quick, like you, when you, what you mentioned earlier, you said that he, like he came in when they were terrible, right? During the process, right? The beginnings of the process or um, towards the second half of the process. Right. Um, and even back then, uh, the men that hired him, didn't expect him to last long, right? Like I think that uh, Hinky was like was quoted saying he's perfect. He's a perfect coach to get us through these f- first few years. Like he quote, somebody, he said that to a colleague during like I think the summer of 2013. Um, and it it was Brown's background uh, as a player development and like being able to like bring out the best in uh, in, in having the, the a, a good attitude and optimism all the time and i think that was what they really did need at the time yeah but he, he was a, a greg popovich disciple yeah he was he was great for that and that's what they needed at that time but i think like like you said he came from from pop and i think that he like he he was he's pretty decent coach right i, I think that there's some things that he didn't do well but he still can, you know, take some some of the best players in the league. Like you don't. It's like when people talk about Steve Kerr, they're like, "Well, it's easy when you have all these great players." I mean, Steve Kerr is a pretty good coach, I think. Uh, but like, also, like if you give a, a, a guy a couple of great pieces, they'll figure it out, right? And and they'll get there. And I think that you could, you just couldn't fire him. I see they they kept getting better and better, and then they kind of just plateaued. Yeah, I mean, obviously they didn't have Ben Simmons in this series. Um, it wouldn't, but even, it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. But even, like, even before that, uh, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid just did not seem to click. And then, uh, GM Elton Brand, uh, spent a ton of money to bring in Tobias Harris and Al Horford and two guys that barely contributed in this series. So now they've got no cap space. Um, they've got two players and Horford and Harris who they're paying a ton of money who aren't contributing. They've got two stars who can't seem to gel together. And, you know, it's really looking like this is the end of the era for them, the process 76ers. And I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know. A lot of people speculating that they're going to have to trade uh, either Simmons or Embiid and, kind of blow this thing up and maybe not blow it up but really shuffle around some pieces yeah i mean harris's contract is abysmal (laughs) it's it's pretty bad like like it's it's a nine-figure deal it's nearly a max contract al horford also has a nine-digit deal (laughs) and al horford is just washed like harris harris is still young enough and you know, he's inconsistent. I don't think he was uh, really worth that money, but the guy can play. It's just inconsistent. Horford, Horford is what he is at this stage in his career, and that's washed up. Yeah. Listen, the the decision to sign Harris, and also Horford, like that, they just robbed themselves of any – any wiggle room or cap flexibility that they thought they were going to have. And if they try to go into this season trying to, or into the, like the summer trying to trade any of those guys, good luck. 
Like, I mean, like you're going to have to add some, a, a pretty nice package for anybody to take that contract and those guys. Yeah. And they're going to have to give up some, some picks. Yeah. It just didn't go just, well. Just to get rid of the player. Yeah. They were just, they were just way too, they were just way too big, man. Like way too, like you had Al Horford, you had Joel Embiid, you had Ben Simmons, like spacing is going to be an issue. Yes. And you have no shooters. You let, you let, you let, um, Reddick walk. Right, like you let um, yeah. like Jimmy Butler, you let Jimmy Butler walk, like you did all of this stuff, and like obviously, like Jimmy Butler and and Brett Brown did not have the greatest relationship, which makes sense because now I think there's reports that Brett Brown was afraid of confrontation, and like <laughs> and Jimmy Butler is Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler's Jimmy Butler. We love him in Miami, by the way. He's perfect for that culture, but he like you can't be afraid of confrontation with. And also, you had some pretty. You had some pretty tough stars at the end of the day. And, like, luckily, like, even, like, talking about Jimmy Butler, him going to Miami with Eric Spolstra, Eric Spolstra knows how to deal with, with, with stars. He just does. Yeah. Right? He's he's it, he's dealt with it before. And he's dealt with it bad, right? When, like... He's dealt with the biggest stars. Yeah. With, like, LeBron coming in going, like, I wanted Pat Riley. And Pat going, like, no, Eric's your guy. Shut up. And then, like, them, like, doing things to 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 Eric Spolstra. And he's just like, yo, I'm we're going to win. Shut up. And he just like figured it out. So I think that Brett Brown in that situation just wasn't great for like Ben Simmons. I think like one time he went to the media and said, if you can pass this along to his agent, his friends and his family, like tell him to shoot at least one three every game. And he proceeded to go 25 games without shooting any threes except for a, like a full court heave at the end of a buzz, like at the end of like a quarter or something like, like those are the things that you can't do with guys like that. Right. And like everybody will say, like, you're a great guy. And I think uh, Josh Richardson, Josh Richardson, I think after uh, the series and uh, what series was it? Like, I, I just remember him like after a series, he wasn't he wasn't happy with the way that he played. I mean, like the way he was utilized and he came out like literally it said like he's a really good guy. Right. Like he's a he's a great guy. Was it, I think it was I think it was this series now that I think about it. Right. Like. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was this series. He came out and said, um, he's a good guy. He's a Brett Brown. He's a good man. He means, well, I just think going forward, he's got to have some more accountability. Like when, when Josh Richardson is saying that and like, he, Josh Richardson, he, he just got there. He was, he, like, he literally just got there <laughs> like, uh, like this year. So you're like, yeah, it just, it just wasn't a good fit. And you talk about Simmons and Embiid, they clash and like, and, it's not. It's not a good look, man. It's not a. It's just. They're gonna have to blow it up. Plain yeah, and simple. They just have to blow it up. And they just after Ben Simmons went down, they did not have another guard that could really step up. They're playing Shake Milton, an undrafted guard, uh, starting him at point guard. And you know, just to kind of bring it full circle, it's unfortunate that their GM Elton Brand let you know a potential star point guard walk and join the Dallas Mavericks and uh and Trey Burke they could have really used them yeah listen at, at the end of the day man it, it comes down to Embiid and Simmons they they're gonna have to make this some, some decisions on those two but Embiid needs to be in shape eventually he yeah needs to, he no, needs, no more Shirley Temples no and no more eating uh <laughs> Shirley Temples no more eating a, a, a Big Mac or a, a, a McChicken while you're stretching on the court no more that. 
and like when you think about it, he really, really could be in a, a, like a, an MVP if he could really get in shape and fight for position in the post for an entire game or most of the game. He could be an MVP. And if yeah. he just needs to come into shape, and that's why I was like, man, if he could come to Miami, it would be great because we would get him in shape. Um, and also, like Simmons just needs to, he needs, he needs to, to learn how to shoot from he, three. He needs to learn how to shoot, and I just he may not be the ball handler that they need. They, they they're going to need ball handlers, and they're going to need people that guys that can shoot. They're going to need shooters. Yeah. So Ben Simmons might have to. You might have to take a back seat and be okay with it, or learn to shoot. I, I, I they're got, they're got, to, they're gonna have to get rid of one of those guys. They just yeah. have to. I don't see a, a, a world where they can coexist. Yeah, I don't. I just don't see how a, you can have a successful team in 2020 where your two best players are non-factors from three. Literally, just don't see it. Yeah, listen. Uh, it's going to be interesting to watch what they do. Um, I, the, the first domino has fallen with Brett Brown. Interesting to see if there's going to be any more executives uh, hitting the road as well. Uh, and like, it's going to be interesting to see who they bring in. Obviously, the, the top names are going to come up is Ty Lu and Jason Kidd and most of the names that usually come up during that. Like, with, like didn't Thibodeau, Thibodeau got a job already, didn't he? Thibodeau's with the Knicks. Yeah, he got his. He got a nice little job already. Like oh, most of they'll, the, they'll talk. They'll talk about hiring another. I'm sure another assistant from the from the Popovich tree. Oh, jeez. Yep, they always do that. Um, which is a great segue to go into our last question of the day. It's been reported that the Nets are eyeing Greg Popovich as their next head coach. And potentially, I could not potentially. This he is KD's favorite top pick to coach the Nets in twenty twenty one. So, final thoughts: Do you think Coach Pop will end up with the Nets? The Nets are the Nets might be eyeing Greg Popovich as their next coach, but. I'd say it's about the equivalent of me eyeing Rihanna as my next girlfriend. So <laughs> I'm going to give those, I'm going to put the the chances at a slim 1%. Yeah, I'll, I'll go further and say, oh, just to be competitive, I'll say 2%. Oh, okay. You're going to price this right me on this? Oh, yeah. I'm going to say 2%. I mean, I could say fifteen percent. It's just as it's just as much. It, it, it ain't happening, folks. Yeah, it's not. At least, at least as of right now, I don't even know why they. I mean, obviously, okay, shoot for the moon. Why not? They've got a great they've got a great roster coming back. But Popovich has been in San Antonio for I don't know thirty years minimum. He's not expressed any interest in leaving. And I don't think the Spurs plan on firing him anytime soon. So I I think this is a non-starter. Yeah, he's he's happy. He's comfortable. We all know what it's like to be comfortable at your job. And uh, you know the people. You know the way around the, the facilities in your office. You know where all the good snacks are. You know, you, you know, like, you know your route to get there. You're comfortable. Pop is, he's, he's comfortable. He's not 
chasing anything as like, I mean, I feel like obviously they're always chasing the championship, but it's not like he needs to win a championship right now. Right. And I think that the, he's just comfortable with that team and that organization. He's a staple in that community. Everything's there for him. Right. And he's gone through some tough times there, uh, both personally and professionally. Uh, and I think that he's, he has a great support. A great, like I, I think he probably considers that whole organization his family. I don't think he's going anywhere. Obviously, I think he likes KD. I think he loves he like he likes uh, Kyrie from uh, working with them and coaching them during uh, U.S. basketball and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't think Pop is going anywhere. No, not at all. Yeah, but maybe maybe if uh, KD gives him a couple whispers, I don't know what I I, I think it's entirely possible. I just think it's un- we we both think it's unlikely, but maybe if he gets a good Katie, like kind of convinces him, like come on, just one last time, and you can just ride off into the sunset. I don't even know if Pop is interested in that. Pop might want to be coaching for another twenty years. I don't know. It's, it's like you said, he's won championships before. It's not him. He's not chasing a ring at this point. It's you know I don't. There's been no indication that he wants one last hurrah. Yeah, he's not trying to go on a farewell tour. Yeah. <laughs> no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, I think he's he's fine. But we've seen people do that in the past. Like, I mean, you've seen it with, like, I know this, those are – I was going to bring up Pat Riley and uh, Phil Jackson, but those are different circumstances and different situations. So, yeah, I don't see it happening. We'll just no, end it there. We'll just end it there. All right, folks. Thank you again, like always, for making it through this entire episode. We got much love for y'all, for show, for show. Bye, Rihanna.